0: Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm your host, Lori Barkman, founder of Small.Big. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself a business transition Sherpa. My mission is guiding entrepreneurs on ways to build value in your business and then benefit by letting it go. On this show, we spotlight the theme of transitions, not only to reward you for your hard work, but also to ensure that you look back on your succession without regret. Catch all the episodes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to visit successionstories.com to sign up for our newsletter. Here's to your success. Michae John is the CEO of Grotte Business Partners, a mergers and acquisitions advisory firm. Michae shared his personal journey from Haiti to Wall Street and his view of succession challenges in multicultural communities. We also dove into the common mistake business owners make by not considering exit strategies soon enough. The process can take years. Even if you think you are ready to sell, you might not be sell ready. If it's time to retire or take some chips off the table, will your valuation be enough to fund your dreams? If not, you may need more time to work on reducing risk and increasing sellability. In this episode, there's helpful insights for entrepreneurs considering a transition in the future and steps you can take now. Thanks for tuning in. Misha, John, welcome to Succession Stories. We got connected because of LinkedIn and the power of social media. And I love how you've connected with me because we found a common topic in mergers and acquisitions, and and how to help business owners understand how it works. So I thought you'd be a great guest on the show today. I look forward to our conversation. So welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Laurie, for for having me. Yeah, so we, we do share a common passion to really help business owners in the community. It is really an honor for me to be here with you today.
0: Thank you. Let's start with you. Talk about your family and where you grew up.
1: Yes, sure. I was born in Haiti. I grew up in a small and modest family in Port-au-Prince. My mother was an entrepreneur and my father was a teacher. When I was little, my dad would take me throughout the countryside and showed me farms, which he said used to be owned by my grandparents, from my mother's side particularly. I never knew my grandfather because he died before I was born. But from what I learned, he was a a very wealthy man. Unfortunately, after his death, most of those farms were sold by the succeeding generation. I don't think there was ever an estate planning done or succession plan, thing like this. They were not very educated people either. None of them had a high school diploma. But as I grew up, this is something that really stuck with me, that so much wealth could be dissipated so quickly. This is how I started to develop an appreciation for entrepreneurship and wealth preservation more particularly.
0: And how old were you when you came to the United States?
1: When I came to the United States, I was just about 20 years old. Okay.
0: Yes. So what led you to a career on Wall Street? So the
1: idea to go on Wall Street started during my last year in law school. I started law school in 2012 during the Great Recession. A friend of mine who was at a different law school around the Boston area invited me to join him on a project. We wanted to interview business leaders and uh, understand how they were navigating the financial crisis. We also wanted to find out about their expansion plan. The project went on from 2013 to 2014. However, around 2014, as some of the students who were leading on the initiative graduated and went to work as lawyers, the project started to lose momentum. You know, I did not want to abandon the whole idea, so I decided to go on my own. First, I wanted to create a private equity firm that would invest exclusively in small to mid-sized companies. I traveled around the country and talked to people whom I thought would be able to back me up. And while many of them did appreciate the idea and thought it was a really great and noble strategy, none of them wanted to go further. And part of the reason, I think, is because I did not have any experience in investing. So in essence, this is what led me to Wall Street, where I worked for about five years for Morgan Stanley as a financial advisor, but administrative strategies more particularly.
0: So you had the law background and you had your family experience where you you were motivated to Mm -hmm. work with with families to help them to grow their wealth and and maybe preserve the wealth rather than see it dissipate. So that's a like you said, a noble cause. And it sounds like you learned a lot from that initiative to put together a private equity group, but not everything works out the way we plan. But it sounds like you had a a really good path forward because it's led you now to you've taken that initiative, right? You've you've said, hey, I am going to try to do this. So I guess bring me up to date on your current firm.
1: Yes, yes, Grot Business Partners. So first of all, I would need to break it down a little bit because the name really means something to me. You know, I chose the name Grot, you know, because it is a French term which means cave. And the English translation for that is "goto," right? So in ancient time, a Grot is what used to provide safety to humans, especially in times of great danger. I wanted my firm to be that sort of a safe haven for small business owners, a place where they feel they are being helped and understood. And business partners means that we don't really have a specific agenda. We are there to support entrepreneurs and business leaders however we can. If there is something we can't do, we reach out to our vast network of Trusting partners, including yourself, and ask for support. So in the end, we are an m firm because the ultimate focus is helping small business owners to grow, either through raising capital, succession planning, or acquisitions.
0: So when you talk about businesses and business owners, you say small mm-hmm. business, but I know that's a really general term. Yeah. Is there any other way that you could describe the types of businesses that you've worked with in your career?
1: Yes. So what happens is that at Morgan Stanley, my official title was financial advisor. Because of the story I just shared with you earlier, I mainly worked as an M&A strategist through my years at the firm. But since the focus was on wealth management, I did not really have a choice in terms of which verticals I was going to specialize in. So if someone came to us and they needed help, we would find a way to help them. It goes without saying that we work with a very vast network of businesses, which included biotech, IT firm, real estate development, etc. But one thing also I would need to, it is important for me to stress, is that those were very, very small businesses. So the Morgan Stanley's investment banking team did not directly handle those transactions because they were just too small for them. Instead, what we would do is that we partnered with boutique investment banking firm that would do those transactions on our behalf.
0: Gotcha. So you've (laughs) met a lot of people around the country. You've seen a lot of deals. (laughs) What do you find are common themes? What are the types of deals that have the highest success rates either in family succession Mm -hmm. or in a mergers and acquisitions event. It depends how you define success in this context.
1: Yes, 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 definitely. So for family succession, and that is my experience, I know different advisors may have different experience. I've seen the highest success in real estate development companies. Uh, I think part of that may be due to the fact that this tends to be a very, discipline, and close-knit type of uh, business. From my experience, the different family members tend to get involved very, very early on in the business, and different members are often very comfortable doing their parts. Also, for the family-owned real estate companies I work with, be it a hotel or multi-family housing development, the owners tend to be very structured, organized, and strategic, This, I take help to ensure that things go on very, very smoothly. For MLA, I had very great success with biotech companies. Uh, I had a client, for example, who was trying to spin off the government contracting service from his biotech company because he wanted to focus on servicing the private sector. It was the fastest I saw a deal done. However, I did not really have much success in the medical practice space. Uh, A client of mine who wanted me to help her expand her dental practice portfolio from three dental offices to 15 over a three-year period. For many reasons, which I don't want to really get into here, we were unable to
0: to wish that goal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So if companies want to be successful as they think about potentially selling their company, Mm -hmm. I know sometimes that there's cultural aspects that are different. I've talked to to you about this before Mm -hmm. we did the show. Another guest on Succession Stories has experience in in the African continent, Mm -hmm. and Nike Anani is her name, and we talked about the differences in the African business community. I was curious if you could share any of your thoughts about the Haitian or multicultural communities. Do you see any differences in how they approach succession or how they, you know, approach kind of wealth creation to the next generation?
1: Sure, definitely. So I would need to take you back to my earlier introduction uh, about succession planning. Or like, if you go back, why? Right, like we don't have any such concept as a mergers and acquisition right in Haiti. Right? Why do not really have any such thing as the publicly traded company in Haiti? So when people buy businesses, they don't have an established standard of valuation, except for a very, very few Haitian professionals who may be working on Wall Street. These are, you know, very, very foreign concepts in our vocabulary. For many of the Haitian community, they may think that once they die, their son or daughters will automatically take over the business and just start running it they don't know that there is a lot of work and preparation that needs to be done. They don't know either that there are tax and legal implications that they need to take into account before transferring the business. We have a lot of Haitian lorry who own thriving businesses uh, in the country, whether it is a small restaurant, a government contract IT firm, or a trucking company. So, These are either first or second generation Asian American. The need, therefore, for education and sensibilization is extremely great. I would also point out, just like you just mentioned earlier, in my experience, this is not just a Haitian problem, but something I've encountered while dealing with other ethnic groups as well.
0: And I think that makes sense because let's face it, if you are a business owner, it's hard enough to get the business off the ground, grow it. It's your livelihood. It's probably helping with your your family income. Maybe you're helping to take care of your greater numbers of family members that you have, especially if if people have immigrated to the United States. And so they probably don't have an idea around how to, or even thinking about taking it to the next level of the next generation if it's beyond Main Street, Main Street businesses, and what do we mean by that, right? It could be a barbershop, it could be, you know, a bakery, etc. But companies that have a view towards creating sustainable value, and that when the owner is gone, you know, the the value of the business isn't gone. Getting to that next level is really, really hard. From an education standpoint, Mm -hmm. how would you advise a business owner if they're If they're thinking about this, maybe they for themselves have a company that or a business that they're thinking, oh, okay, maybe there is a future here. How can I increase its value? What do I need to be thinking about? You mentioned the tax and Mm -hmm. the accounting side. But what about some of the practical side of the people? Yes. What are some of the things there?
1: mm -hmm, Definitely. So I would start off like this. The first thing, you know, it is great for business owners to, to know that. They cannot do it on their own. If you are a business owner and are thinking about selling your business, the best thing you can do right now is initiating a conversation with an expert. And here are some reasons this is important. The first reason, Laurie, is that it's the reason for selling the business. Every business owner that is, who is selling a company has a reason. For example, are you selling the business because you want to retire or because you want to start a new venture? Are there any values you want the business to continue to support beyond selling? And the answer to each one of these questions has very different implications. Let me give you an example. I spoke with a small business owner who passed on the opportunity to sell her bookstore simply because the buyer would not commit to certain communities' activity she used to engage in. For her, that was a deal breaker. A second thing that a business owner should keep in mind is the time horizon when they want to exit the business. The most common mistake uh, business owners make is thinking it is too soon for them to start having a conversation about their exit strategy. Even if you are not planning to sell your business or to exit your business, it is helpful to have an exit plan in place because there are unforeseen circumstances that could be way beyond your control. You know, this is your life work, Laurie, as you know, as an uh, M&A advisor. If you want to always, you ought to always be ready when the right opportunity presents itself. And on the third place, I would Uh, you know, talk about the price. For many business owners I know I've worked with, selling their business, you know, is what they are relying on to fund their future retirement. So, you know, if you are selling your business because it is time for you to retire, then you want to ask yourself this question, whether the current valuation is enough to fund your retirement lifestyle. If it is not, then that means you may need to work a little bit more to boost its enterprise value. And on a last note, what I would ask is the post-selling plan. When you retire, you know, whether you start a new venture, your life does not end after you sell your business. But if you want to have that when you are going to do, it's always good to plan it well ahead of time. You know, it is helpful to have a roadmap of the things that you plan to do during your retirement years. For some people, it is traveling. For others, it is doing more charitable works. Whatever it is that you plan on doing, it is best if you have a plan. And more importantly as well, it's always good to have a budget in place.
0: Those are great words of advice. I love how you (laughs) structured that And it's very, not only logical, but it's got empathy in it too, because you're trying to understand, and I have the same philosophy and understanding what's important to them, their goals, their values, and recognizing that, yes, this transaction is just a one-time thing, but your happiness is going to be about what's next. And there's all kinds of information out there about what makes for a happier transition. It's when they feel like their business is well taken care of on the other side for their people and their legacy, but then also for themselves having this pull, pulling themselves into the next thing and being excited about it, as opposed to sort of thinking about the past and maybe missing what they used to have. So I like how you think about that too. So as we start to wind down this conversation, I wanted just to make something open-ended for you, just kind of open-ended about what else you'd like to share and an offer up to anyone listening who is thinking about how our business is sold, right? And wondering about this black box of, of what we call M&A or mergers and acquisitions. You've been in this space for a while mm-hmm. and you've seen it from a lot of different angles. What would you like to share?
1: Yes, yes, for well, definitely. You know, many business owners assume the process to sell a business is as simple and as straightforward as you know, selling a house or a car or any other type of tangible property. You know, as a result, based on my experience, a lot of those deals really go through. Uh, I was working, for example, with a North African client who wanted to sell a small trucking company. I found several buyers who were interested uh, in buying the business, And most of those buyers actually were my wealth management clients. So I did have a high confidence that the deal would go through because I knew they had the assets. And I also knew uh, their interest level in buying the business. However, because the seller did not want to provide updated data about the company or even budge on the asking price, uh, the deal never went through. This was probably uh, my most difficult experiences working in an m advisor. And I think what I would ask business owners is a sense of flexibility uh, in the process. Because, you know, m is the most complex transaction in finance. There are a lot of moving pieces and things never go as planned. So while they are working with a team of advisors, is just keep in mind that uh, you know, there are different people who are thinking and sometimes those valuations don't match just because you have a valuation of the business and uh, a price you want to sell it to. Understand that the buyer as well has their own valuation and a target price they want to pay for it. And there has to be a middle ground for the deal to, to, to go to fruition.
0: <laughs> I can understand your frustration in that deal because yeah. it was a probably a really good fit for some of those buyers but the seller didn't necessarily accommodate the process to move forward yes 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 yes.
1: and now you know part of it is understanding that it was going to be a very easy process to go through
0: right right so i love to ask everyone if they have a favorite quote that they'd like to share do you have one about entrepreneurship or leadership you'd like to share
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a quote, but let me share something with you. When I was a junior in undergrad, uh, I walked into my communication professor's office. Her name uh, was Diane Bifano, and God bless her soul, she passed away while I was in law school. She was also Associate Dean of Communication for the school, and she was the first person who put in my head the idea of uh, going to law school. But I was having second thought, whether as an immigrant who barely spoke English, uh, that I could succeed in the legal profession uh, of this country. So when I shared with her those concerns and told her I was going to do something else, she said to me, Mishé, the impossible, you have done it. Now for the difficult, just give yourself a little bit of time. You know, she walked me through the works I was doing, uh, including my grades uh, in her class, and helped me understand why I should have had more confidence in myself. As business owners, sometimes we have plans, whether it's an annual plan, whether it's a more long-term plan, and things never go as we want them to go. I'd invite you to, you know, take note of this uh, experience or this lesson Diane V. shared with me, you know, starting your business is always the impossible and you've already done it. If something isn't working right now, I just ask you to give it a little bit of time. Just work harder. Don't give up just because one thing uh, is not working.
0: That's beautiful advice. She left a lasting memory with you as a mentor. And that's she a beautiful did. thing. She did. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, Misha, if people mm-hmm. want to connect with you, what's a great way to find you? Yes. Uh,
1: the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I am an open networker. And one thing I like the most about LinkedIn is commenting or uh, liking uh, update. whether it's a live update or whether it's a business update of my network. So I would please invite uh, anyone listening to this, Uh, talk presentation with you, Laurie, to please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to really stay in touch.
0: Misha, you have become a nice friend to me, and we are collaborating in a variety of ways, and I look forward to many more conversations with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're very impressive. And yeah, just to underscore, to move to this country at age 20, and get your advanced education and create a career here that is not only benefiting the immediate people around you, but then the people that are in their lives is a special thing. So thank you for coming and sharing that.
1: Yeah, Lori, let me thank you as well. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts before being a guest there, here. The work you are doing, because your presentation are not just helpful to people in the m and world. Whether someone is a student, but when I was in law school, I took a lot of classes on m and and I wish uh, I listened to your podcast before uh, I was lost. That would have helped me a lot. Whether it is a business owner, you don't have to be thinking about selling your business uh, to know what is happening in this world. This is something that can really help them. The materials, the information you are sharing is really excellent. Whether you are an executive. Uh, This is something that can also help you. So thank you very much for having me. And it is an honor. Thanks, Misha.
0: My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, the potential net proceeds of a transaction and your financial needs after you leave the business, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand these numbers, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Take the next step by requesting an initial meeting to begin planning for your business transition and strategic exit today. Request a call with me by visiting smalldotbig.com. That's smalldotbig.com. I look forward to speaking with you.